Welcome to the Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Our mission is to strip away the myths and hype that often surround the aesthetics industry. Inside Aesthetics aims to get to the bottom of the important topics that concern medical and allied health professionals, as well as the consumers themselves. We'll be showcasing the thoughts and experiences of experts in their respective fields. Each podcast will focus on a specialty, including surgery, non-surgical procedures, nutrition, well-being, and business knowledge from the personalities that have helped shape our industry. This podcast and its related publications provide news and general educational information about cosmetic procedures and well-being. It does not promote or endorse any cosmetic procedure, brand, or product. You should seek professional medical assessment before considering any treatment. Our guest today is Tamara Shaw, the founding director of Beauté Industry. Tamara has worked in the beauty industry for over 10 years in educational, business development and leadership roles. Tamara started Beauté Industry in 2018, offering support, mentorship and networking opportunities for clinics. Through supportive conversations, running her own podcast and holding regular networking events, Tamara has helped give business owners insight into their weaknesses, help them grow and distinguish themselves. Good morning, Tamara. How are you? Good morning. I'm so well. How are you? Good. How Good are you, morning. How have, you, how have you backed up after the um, Beauty Awards? It was oh a big night. For the- <laughs> it was. It's been a big weekend. This yeah. this Beauty Expo, Dinner of Legends, ABIAs, every product house is having their own awards night. Yeah. It's, it's a big one. <laughs> and when did you fly in from Brizzy? Uh, Friday, Friday morning. Okay, so you've quick pit stop with us and then back back to the grind. Yes, that's exactly right. And what were the awards all about? Do you want to just give us a brief little rundown? Yeah, or? absolutely. So uh, there's many different cohorts. So it's the Australian Beauty Industry Awards, uh, Salon and Spa of the Year, Salon and State Spa of the Year, Best Business Performance, Best Makeup Artist, Best Cosmetic Tattooist. Uh, it's just a recognition and, and reward for hard work, I guess, financial year to financial year. And it was actually a really beautiful night. Everyone's glammed up to the nines, as you can imagine. Bet, yeah. But the award winners just this year, the real theme was thanking the team and giving back to the team. And um, obviously, there's lots of mums who are in the beauty industry. And so they were saying, you know, the hard work and dedication that it actually takes takes to be a mum and miss dinners and miss bedtime tuck-ins and things like that. So lots of hard work all around. That's great. And who's voting for these awards? So there's 48 judges and uh, yeah, they're they're from all different walks of the industry. Okay. So there's no one paying someone off. (laughs) (laughs) We hope not. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. So talk to us about Beauté Industry because um, we are initially um, introduced from mutual friend Fiona Tuck mm. and um, we were sitting down having a, a breakfast with her one day and she goes, you should have a chat to Tamara and told us all about what you're doing and um, very sort of, I guess, unique concept of sort of what you came up with, helping uh, beauty clinics and therapists yeah. excel and, and businesses get on track. So do you want to tell us a little bit about how that all works? Yeah, absolutely. I adore Fiona and I thank her for the introduction. <laughs> it's really lovely. Uh, so I guess beauty industry is a connection, if I can use one word to describe it. Uh, I've been in national education roles and national area, area manager uh, roles and travelling around to business owners, traditional business owners, corporate business owners, franchise business owners. Everybody's just having the same questions. You know, what can I do for my staff? Yeah. Uh, how do I maximize my marketing? How am I going to sell more? How am I going to rebook more? And I thought, is nobody talking to each other? 
this is so strange. I feel like if I owned a salon on this street and you had a salon two streets down, I would go over and say, do you want to have a coffee? Can we have a quick chat? And um, it just wasn't happening. And so I thought, how can I get these business owners to have more conversations with each other? And in that thought process, I realised that there was a lot of negative stigma around, oh, she might steal my stuff. Yeah, the whole competitive stabbing <laughs> in yes, the back type thing. exactly. Or maybe she's going to steal my clients. And uh, and so I thought, well, especially as women, I think we don't talk enough and we all just want to hear, feel, we want to be heard and we want to feel validated. And so Beauty Industry is an online support platform for beauty business owners and managers. And so in that platform, you can ask questions of each other and there's no stigma. There's no competition. There's no negative. If anyone's nasty, I'm like, ah, you're out. (laughs) Um, And it's just a beautiful support platform. Yeah, that's great. So when did you start and and how did you start? Yes. So uh, I was in a role and I was the only person out of the state to be in another state. And so it originally started as a Facebook group Mm -hmm. and there were 15 of just my closest friends and I just wanted to stay in touch with people. So I was saying, have you seen this new pen or have you seen, you know, this new treatment or I've got a therapist asking this question, what do you think? And uh, that was about 18 months ago. And then Facebook is great in recognising groups and pages and it said, hey, you've got 100 people in the group. And I thought, my goodness, I started out with 15 people. Where is this 100 coming from? Mm. And uh, and I thought, okay, this is obviously a gap and there's something here that is a little bit special and unique to all of the other Facebook groups because it was just a Facebook group. Yep. There's many of them. Anyone can do that. Yeah. I often find that uh, Facebook you know, for, for whatever reason, people feel like it's a safe mm. place to talk about all their problems. And, you know, uh, especially with the injecting community, there's multiple groups, nursing groups, doctors groups, yes. just injector groups. And for whatever reason, people air all sorts of stuff on there, whether it, whether it's you know right or wrong. <laughs> yes. So I think it's a great way of just sort of tapping into, you know, uh, you know, the whole country, basically. Yes. So, yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think, David? I think um, I agree with exactly what you were saying in terms of a lot of people are worried about sharing that what mm. their strategies or what's working for them or little secrets about their business. And I think that it's I th- that sort of small minded thinking, I think is, it's been sort of, it's, I don't think it's anyone's fault, especially, I think it's sort of just being yeah. ingrained into our society a little bit, but I think that people are starting to come around in that, that concept of a high tide raises all ships. And they get, there gets a point where a market becomes oversaturated mm. and everyone's suffering. But I think there's a, there's a point that you can reach before that, where everyone's working collaboratively collaboratively together yes. to improve practice, to improve the way they're running their business, to share ideas. And it creates a like a positive industry when everyone's sort of backstabbing each other or you're not sharing secrets mm. or, or so it, 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 it's sort of bad for everyone. So I think that it's reinforcing the sharing of knowledge and, and sort of positive outcomes that I think just benefits everyone. Yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. And and that was the very reason when I realised the conversations were happening and we had this Facebook group and I, I saw that there was a gap in the market. I thought, okay, you know, being business-minded, this could be something, you know, not even to make money off but just to be bigger than yeah. 100 people. And uh, so overnight I created a website, created yeah. an event, created a podcast just like a crazy normal person does, you know, <laughs> full, full mode. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it sort of reminds me of like um, 
like a precinct. If you're like nowhere, mm. there's an area where there's lots of great restaurants. You sort of, even though there's lots of restaurants in that little area, yes. it becomes known as a precinct and the power of all those restaurants combined draw people in, whereas just one on its own might not. Yes, I think absolutely. And I know there's a tipping point, but I think that that, that positive group Yes. Tends to work, tends to work really, really well. Yeah, that's exactly right. So now, uh, fast forward, we have 1,500 people in wow. the group, which is amazing. That's huge, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, and it is it is like that, you know, you go and eat at a busy restaurant. You don't go and eat at somewhere that's quiet. Yeah, mm. absolutely. So what type of clinics are you potentially, because I know that the industry sort of grown so much mm. and you've got clinics that are very, I guess, the softer treatments. So you spray tans, manicures, facials, all that sort of stuff right up to almost semi, you know, paramedical where you've got injectables and nurses and doctors and you're still offering some treatments. So where do you sort of position yourself? Is it everyone you take, you sort of look after or have you sort of carved out a certain section of the market for yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. So I guess the name being called Beauté Industry, it kind of has no limit really to the beauty industry. Um, everyone can come into the Facebook group. Uh, we have an online monthly membership as well. And the people that I get in there, uh, essentially just to give you a bit of context, there's four developments that they can go through and that's uh, self, business, team and clients. And naturally people message me and say, can I just skip through the self stuff and I just want to go straight to the business? I say, no, no, <laughs> you're actually the person maybe who needs to do the self stuff first. Yeah. Um, so the people that I'm getting on there are traditional business owners, uh, perhaps they're sole traders or they may have a small team of five anywhere up until 10. Uh, they're interested in performing the higher ended treatments, but maybe they have an LED, but it's sitting in the corner and it's getting a bit dusty and nobody's using it. <laughs> so I'm saying pull out that $15,000 LED machine and let's actually maximise it. Yep. So that's that's the, generally the kind of business owner that I'm working with at the We're moment. We're a big fan of lights, aren't we, David? Yeah, we do, especially after injectables. It tends to work really yes. well with bruising and swelling and just a, you've just been traumatised by a needle. You get to sit there and just relax and just chill out. So exactly. it, tends to, it tends to be not, not only... Uh, effective, but just a nice experience. And so many other ways as well. Yeah. I think in, in traditional beauty or in anything really, if I'm sitting there getting a manicure, why am I not having an LED on my face? 100%. You know, or if I'm getting a facial, why are you not doing an LED on the decolletage at the same time? Yeah. There's so many ways in which we can maximise treatments and maximise opportunities. And I think sometimes in this beauty bubble, we just with our blinkers on, you know, and this is the whole thing that we need to talk to other business owners so we can get these ideas. If you put me on a light and normally the first setting's around 13 minutes, I can guarantee I'll fall asleep, which yes. is a great way of having a quick nap as well. The life the life of two children, a man of two children. <laughs> Actually, I saw the other day, I, um, I was walking past a clinic and they said, free naps with every LED treatment. And I thought, that is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So going back to what you are saying about um, having to act as a moderator on your original Facebook group and now presumably bigger mm. have you had any awkward situations where you've you know literally said i'm sorry but what you're saying is just not appropriate or any a few a few i think you know there are so many facebook groups some of them people just go gung-ho at attacking others yes. and and the comparison and the the imposter syndrome is big yeah. and i'm not about that i'm about yeah. having conversations and they're deep conversations sometimes sometimes they're surface you know mm. what product brand should i stock but uh for that very reason i created rules and i know that not everyone reads the rules you just click into the facebook and say yes i read mm. them and then away you go but i do heavily moderate it because 
I'm aware of the keyboard warriors and uh, there's one rule called be gentle. And so if you say something that you wouldn't want someone saying back to you, then I click that and I say be gentle. And so essentially you've got three strikes and then you're out. So sometimes people say things and I just go, "Uh uh-uh, be gentle. (laughs) It is funny how people turn into a different person with a keyboard. Yeah, well, you wouldn't say the sort of things to someone's face that oh, you can quite eat. So it's like you can no. you can have a go at someone and say something horrific with almost no consequences Correct. to your actions. Yes. And I think that's uh, it's very cowardly. I that's think exactly and not constructive. Right. And I think that um, I think people are start. I think technology's moved so fast that we, as I guess a society of people, are still catching up with how to behave and mm. interact and integrate that technology into our lives. We haven't. It's like we've got this new toy. We don't know how to use it yet. Yes. People are just going. It's well, they, they say as well, you know, if there's if there's an intersection on the road where there's too many car crashes, they put in a roundabout. And it's like, what are they doing on social media? What are they doing on the internet? We need more roundabouts or, you know, something to stop those car crashes happening. So, Tamara, can you explain the different facets to what Butte Industry offers? I mean, you're online, but you're also doing in-person networking events and you've got your own podcast. It's amazing. So just t- walk us through that. Yeah, that's exactly right. I guess... I wanted to go all in and all in fast. And when we hit 100 people, I thought, I want to hit 1,000. I want to hit 100,000. I want to hit a million, you know, and just reach for the sky. And so I thought, how can I do that? And I knew people resonated with my story. Being an educator in the past and and being in sales and and being in account management, people always said, oh, Tamara, I'd love to spend a day with you on the road or you're so inspirational. And I thought, why me? And I thought, there's obviously something in that and I want people to hear the story more. And I thought they can do that via a podcast. You know, not everyone's always on Facebook and and we're always traveling around in our car or on the train or what have you. Uh, So we started a podcast as well, which now reaches 30,000 ears, which is just absolutely impossible. 30,000 a month, did you say? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's huge. How long did it take you to grow to that level? Oh, when did we hit? Uh, March this year. And how long had you been doing it for? Since August. If, wow. uh, no, I lie, since April, so about a year in. Right. Mm. That's crazy. That's mm. crazy growth. If I can ask you a few podcast questions, because obviously we're doing our own mm. podcast, this is why we're talking to you. What platform are you using to record? Are you doing in-person podcasts ever? No, or? all remote. Okay. All remote. Because, you know, this is sort of David and I's philosophy that we've started obviously doing the in-person one, but we're quite open to the fact that we're not going to tap into the world's greatest and most famous if we only limit it to being here in Sydney. Yeah. But at the same time, we worry about, you know, the quality or is the conversation going to mm. be as fluid if someone's on the phone? How have you found that sort of challenge? Yeah, I mean, the conversation's normally quite fluid. It's okay. It's just like having a phone call, I guess. Yes. Uh, the audio sometimes, not so. So, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and I've got a cat and my, uh-huh. my podcast listeners know that I'm a crazy cat lady. <laughs> yeah. And so she'll come up with her bell or, you know, her tail will hit the microphone and, yeah. um, or the internet will drop yeah. out. It's yes. so can be a little bit sketchy, uh, but I guess you know that that's that's the reality the of it, organic isn't it? Nature of you know you're doing this live, as it were. Exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. So how do they record that? Is call up over the phone, and you've got a just does... a program that they record on. Wow. Yeah, over the phone. Yeah. So it's just literally a phone call. Pick it up, take it anywhere you can, and and then I just extract the recording from there. 
That's amazing. Yeah. We're going to have to try this. Yeah, we'll at try. At some point, we'll bite the bullet. Yeah, we just sort of think like sometimes there's like a dynamic to looking oh, at someone and chatting nice to, to them. it's definitely nice to be in person, uh, that's but, for sure. Um, I guess if you want to reach those guests that aren't local, you might have to make some compromises and, and, and sacrifice maybe yeah, the, the sound quality. I guess as well, we thought someone, we're going to ask someone to sit and listen to our annoying voices for an hour. We want to make sure that it sounds good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. So, yeah. But yeah, Absolutely. I mean, it's, that's amazing growth in 12 months. How <clears> did you, so what did you do to market that and sort of grow it and take it to that next level? Or was it just all organic? Not a whole lot, to be honest. I've, I've never put spend behind it. Yep. Um, I, I'm not a big loud person. You know, I'm not on social media saying, look at me and come to this and do this and, you know, wake up every day at 5 a.m. and do keto. <laughs> you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a Tony Robbins kind of guy, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so I just think natural, you know, natural progression, people will hear the story, they'll resonate and, and if they don't, then they, they won't follow and obviously they have. Yeah. yeah. So getting back to um, your role in clinic when you're going in there and, and I guess consulting. Mm. So do you want to just walk us through like how that works? So a business owner reaches out to you when you get there, what are you looking for? How do you sort of implement your strategies or sort of work out what your plan of attack is? Yeah, absolutely. So from the podcast and back to what you were saying before, Jake, on the events, I, people were asking about the podcast, I want more, you know, and I'm going, I'm giving you weekly content. What do yeah. you want? It's <laughs> draining me already. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so I thought, okay, I, I need to take it a bit offline, you know, and, and get a little bit more personal. And so we started these networking events, which now we do uh, Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane. And it's a brunch event. It's 60 people. You network with other business owners and we have a panel generally of other business owners and we all ask questions and it's just a beautiful three-hour breakfast. That's great. And, uh, and from that, people were saying, can you coach me? Can you consultant me? And I thought, I've done so many years of education so many years of account management and everyone, every woman, especially with a heartbeat and a pulse at the moment has a podcast and is a coach. And I thought, I don't want to just slip back into that, you know, that, that cliche. And my husband said to me, Tamara, if you don't coach and consult these people and they're asking for you, then they're going to go to someone else who they're not asking for. Yeah. And I thought, ah, oh, damn, okay, you've got me. Uh, so I like to refer to it as networking, uh, not networking, mentoring sessions, yes. sorry, because coaching and consulting, it has a connotation that I'm going to make you a millionaire or I'm going to create a huge marketing program for you, uh, you know, and, and with mentoring, I feel like it's more inspirational and it's sometimes a little bit of a kick up the butt of, you know, expectation and realigning what the customers expect, what business owners expect of the team, but likewise as well, what the team expects of the business owners, which is something that we don't often think about that yeah. backwards looking. Yeah. How many clinics have you been into where you thought, oh, my God, they just haven't got a clue and um, my time here is kind of wasted? Many, but instead <laughs> of looking at it as waste, I think of it as an opportunity. Yes. I think, how can I turn this around? Sure. Yes. Yes, quite a few. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. So what do you, th if you had to sort of, I don't know, uh, pick three of the top things that you think businesses are doing wrong. So I'm sort of even asking just my own curiosities, having a few businesses in the yes. industry myself. What do you think that those three top three things people are doing wrong or could be doing better? It sounds basic. The, the, the biggest thing is customer service. Yep. Customer service all the way. Uh, this year, earlier, I went to Dubai, Paris and also the UK and I was so fortunate enough to have treatments mm -hmm. and incredible treatments. And you walk in and people know your name 
They bring you hot towels to wipe your hands. They've got tea ready there waiting for you. It's just next level. You know, when you open the treatment room door, they're there. You're not wandering around the spa or the clinic looking for them. And it's just the finer details that in Australia, and I say Australia as a whole because it is Australia, we're just not quite there yet. You know, I expect as a consumer, resort level customer service, even if I'm going to Jenny's Beauty Clinic down the road. Yeah. Because why not? If you're a sole owner operator, if you've got a smaller team, it's actually easier for you to control the culture and control the customer service than it is a resort. So why are the resorts getting it so well and the smaller clinics aren't? Mm, and yeah. that's what I'm trying to figure out. So you think that the the, the smaller clinics are focusing on the, the result of the treatment and not so much the experience? That and they're also focusing outside their own space. Right. Right. So okay. it's looking at other people and what other people are doing. And this is where that online can get a little bit, uh, you know, it's Facebook anxiety, social media anxiety, yeah. because we're too busy watching what other people are doing, not what we're actually doing in our own space. Yeah. Yeah. So I say to business owners, when was the last time you had a treatment in your space? When was the last time you sat in the chair that the client sits in to yeah. see the dust on the shelf? Yeah. You know, because you're behind the desk, you can't see that dust from that angle. I do that once a month. I lie in the bed and I look around the room and I go, oh, crap, there's all this stuff lying around the computer and it just looks a bit rubbish in here. So, you know, it sort of inspires you to do a bit of a cleanup. And the biggest thing, lying on the bed. So many times I've laid on the bed and I thought, there's so much dust around that vent. (laughs) Or, gosh, that cornice really needs a fresh lick of paint. Yeah. Just the tiniest things. Yeah. Yeah. I think also from my perspective, learning how to manage and recruit mm. and retain mm. therapists is a challenge. A big one. Um, and I guess every generation feels that the generation coming after them is doing it all wrong or they're <laughs> unmanageable or they're crazy. It's, you know, our parents probably thought that of us and we probably share some of those thoughts with people that we're potentially looking to bring into our business. It's yes. definitely that's one of the challenges that I feel is a bit of an issue is learning how to get the most out of your mm. staff mm. and retain them because it is an industry where people do come and go a little bit. And I think it's not just this industry. I think it's every generation spends less time in the job than their parents did. I mean, if you think back to your grandparents, they spent 20, 30 years sometimes in the same job. It seems like now two years, three years is probably you're a veteran yes. if you've been there for that long. Exactly right. I have a I have a mentoring session uh, with the business owner on behavioural types because to a lot of the beauty business owners, there's two business owners. Uh, there's a beauty business owner who's been a therapist, mm. looks at the business owner and goes, I can do that better. So then they become the business owner. Or there's people who haven't come from the industry and goes, that's a glamorous market. I can make some money there. I'll buy into that. Yeah, I think we've seen that uh, in the sort of franchise world of injectables where mm. people just think it's this glamorous money printing industry and it's just not the reality. It's a mm. lot of hard work and like David said, trying to retain staff and just basic some, some sort of day-to-day routine that, you know, such a fluid industry of people jump all over the place and, yeah, I don't know. I don't know mm. how you sort of pin people down and, and make them want to stay. That's half the problem. Yes. Well, it's interesting. I heard yesterday in Germany you have to have a business degree to run a business. In Australia, you don't. You can open the doors tomorrow. And so the thing with that is is that people who are managing and running the businesses don't understand human behaviour. 
basics of it. So I'm working with a lot of business owners to analyze their team and who do you have in your team so that when you're recruiting, A, it's not a reactive recruitment because that's when we make the worst decisions, but B, so that you're recruiting the right behavioral type that's going to fluidly gel within your team so that you're not putting a D dominant, you know, highly driven, high energy person into a slow, soft butterfly team because that's going to create some anarchy. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's like trying to create a sports team, like a soccer team, for example. What are you, an A, a B, a C, a D? I'm a D. Yeah, direct. (laughs) Dominant, direct, yes. But when I talk to therapists, and this is what I'm teaching a lot of business owners to do, I mold my personality and I take it down a notch and I'm slower and I get on their level so that they can listen to me. But if you recognise it, then that that works. But if you don't, you're just like a bull in a china shop every day. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And change as well. I've noticed I've walked into uh, a couple of businesses and tried to make changes too quickly Mm. and it's just like setting off a hand grenade. Yes. Everyone just runs. Yes, exactly right. So you've got to like, even though you can walk into a business and go, oh my God, I need to like change everything. You've got to like, in my experience, you've got to like stage it because if you just do too much, it's just, it's unmanageable for people to sort of deal with that. that. My first management role, I did that. I went in and I had an ego because I was the manager and I tried to change everything. Towels don't go here, candles don't go here and the team left. Yeah. Straight away. And I thought, oh, it's them. It's not me, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I soon realised that that's not the way you manage people. Yeah. You manage by being a leader. I mean, what is a manager? You can put a pen here and I'm managing the pen. Yeah. But I can't put the team there, can I? You know, so you, you need to lead. Yeah. Have you watched any of these, I don't know, cooking shows where the, you know, it's a failing business and they get a mentor to go in and shake up the business or um, same for the hotel industry. I don't know if you've seen those shows. Is your experience when you go into a clinic similar where you're like, you know, you're sort of you've got your little tick box of what's working and what's not mm-hmm. working and you make the suggestions and they just go, no, we're not doing that. And <laughs> you sort of have arguments or are they quite receptive to change? Ah, look, there's some things that people are willing to compromise on and some things that people go, absolutely not. Absolutely not. What seems to get up people's noses? Is there a particular thing? Is it about the owner sort of almost putting the ego to the side? Is that one of the hardest challenges? It is that, that way, but I guess we're creatures of habit. You know, we've always done what we've always done. And uh, it, t- it takes 14 days to make that change. And I say this a lot to business owners. Generally, it's the smallest thing, like a vase that's been sitting there with dead flowers in it, you know, or <laughs> fake flowers in it, yeah. you know. And I think, why is that there? Yeah. Is that on brand or even just coming back to brand? having a look at the social media, is everything the same font, the same colour? Is that replicated throughout your business? Is yes. that replicated throughout the uniforms? Yeah. It's all of that little tiny tiny bits and pieces that actually do make the biggest impact to the client. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, yeah, people don't want to move on that. What about for maybe, I don't know how to put this, older business uh, owners who mm. don't engage with the internet, let alone social media? Uh, or Facebook or, you know, that's a real challenge to a business if you're not willing to, Huge. I guess, roll with the times and, and you know, just use what basically is normal advertising now. Mm. How do you educate someone to do that? Yes, great question. <laughs> it is very tough. That and the online bookings thing. You know, some people still have the big books where they write in it and I think, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, but it is it is really difficult. Uh, you've got to start somewhere. 
You have to start somewhere. You cannot be ignorant to the online world because nowadays we're actually seeing, and I looked at a trend the other day, people make the most appointments from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. And that's when I make all of my appointments. So you have to be online. You have to have that social media presence. You've got to have online bookings. Yeah. And there's no silver bullet anymore. No. There's not one strategy that will work. You have to be doing everything. That's exactly right. And you can't pay a staff member to be there from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. to answer your phone calls, can no. you? It'll be an expensive so, hourly rate, yeah. I think. Well, I'm <laughs> exactly. amazed at how many people DM me at those funny hours. And I can only assume that they're flicking through Instagram in their bed, sort of either bored or actively listening, uh, looking for a treatment. And mm. you're right, they, they'll kind of contact you the weirdest times or, or book in. I'll wake up in the morning and someone's booked in at one in the morning for yes. a liquid nose job. And you're like, oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I lie in bed and I go to sleep with my husband when I'm at home, you know, every time, uh, every time the same night, every night at the same time. <laughs> and he will fall asleep snoring like a bear 30 seconds flat. And then I'm lying there going, okay, Tamara, <laughs> fall asleep, fall asleep. And I can't fall asleep. And then because he's snoring so loud and the cat's running around like a psycho, yeah. then I've, I'm on my phone. Yeah. And that's why I'm going, okay, what do I have to do tomorrow? I've got an event coming up. I'll book in an LED. I'll, I'll book in a peel. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people are well, doing. I guess going back to what I just said to before about people engaging with social media, the, the brutal fact is we're all stuck to our phones all the time. And so if you're not using a platform where you're going to advertise on someone's phone, then you're not really tapping into most people's psyche. Mm. That's just... We've become like cyborgs, haven't we? We're like part robot, but it's just our robot we can put down on. (laughs) It's like it's part of who you are now. Exactly. If you like lose your wallet, your keys or your phone, I know which one's freaking me out the most. It's my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I had in those little um, headphones the other day that are now wireless. Oh, these guys. The The AirPods. AirPods. So great. And I'm walking around. (laughs) And I'm I'm tapping them and I'm saying, hey, Siri, send a message to, you know, and I I thought, now we're really robot now. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) So a lot of our listeners... um, uh, thera- uh, therapists or uh, business owners in the beauty industry. A lot of them are, are doctors and nurses. So it'd be good in terms of getting your insights. Have you worked with people on, I guess, the more medical side of beauty um, yeah. and how you can, like, for example, uh, like a plastic surgeon that has a practice manager, do you go in and, and assist? Because I'm assuming that a lot of what you're teaching and, and sort of encouraging people to do would translate to sort of any business really within this sort of niche industry. Was that right? Or Yeah, that's exactly right. Many of the businesses I go into do have monthly injectors, weekly injectors yep. or full-time injectors yep. um, and numerous as well because that's the world that we live in now. Yep. You know, it's a quick fix and it's easy and we can have instant gratification. Uh, it's the same thing, yep. you know. Are your injectors rebooking? Are they doing follow-up calls? Do they know the client's name? Are they selling treatments? Are they selling product? It, it can transfer into any business. Somebody, um, actually, I've been consulting a conveyancy agency. Oh. And that's strange, you know, from the beauty yeah. industry. Uh, but she listened to the podcast. She reached out and she said, I love what you're doing. I've got a team. Do you want to come over and just have a chat about team? Customer service. We need to understand the personality types, the behavioural types. That's yep. great. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's any industry really. I mean, yeah. I I love and I know the beauty, wellness, aesthetic, clinical industry. So that's where I situate myself. Uh, but it's it's really any it's it's the leadership, really. Yeah, absolutely. 
it's interesting when you think about um, like the plastic surgeon model, for example, where mm. they might be off operating two, three days a week and they're not in their practice. They might come back to do follow-ups or consult once or twice a week. But for the most part, they're in a hospital yes. and they're leaving their practice in the hands of someone else mm. um, and hoping that they do the right thing. Yes, and that's exactly right. I I once went to Europe on a six-week holiday and I was training up a manager for four weeks prior to that I left and I'm training her, training her, training her. The day I leave, I'm on the flight and I get a text message saying, Tamara, this person has come on in on the first day that you've left. Her hair's down, she's dripping in jewellery, she's sitting there eating a croissant and I thought the day that I left, you know, and you <laughs> will never know when you leave that space, even if it's just a half an hour and that's why you've got to put the right person in and that's the same as the treatment room. You can train and train and train. As soon as you shut that door, you don't know what's happening in the treatment room. And that's yeah. why you've got a mystery shop. Mystery shop, yeah. That's an interesting one. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ever done that for injectables? Um, we've done it for everyone, to be honest with you. Right. Um, sometimes the feedback can be a little bit confronting. You, you mm. just, you, you don't want to hear the reality of what, what's happening in those rooms or that you've trusted someone to do the right thing and they yes. haven't. And yes. it's hard sometimes not to take it personally. Absolutely. I had uh, I had a mystery shop feedback form one day. Actually, it was prior to the mystery shop, just a general feedback form. And it said, I think she was on her phone. And I thought, during the treatment, impossible, absolutely impossible. And so I called a mystery shopper and I said, please come into the business and have a treatment. And it was a facial. And the mystery shopper got off the bed and she was steaming. And I, I knew her, I called her in. And um, I'm there checking her out, pretending like I don't know her. And she's giving me these eyeballs. <laughs> and I thought something's gone wrong here. Anyway, and she said, Tamara, downstairs now. And I said, oh, I'll give you the feedback form and you can fill it. She goes, no, no, downstairs now. And so we went downstairs and she said she put the eye pillow on. I was in day spa at this time. She'd put the eye pillow on. She started doing the scalp massage and then she could feel something going on. And so she said, I thought maybe she was cleaning, you know, her, her tools or utensils or wiping the sink. And she goes, no, no. Then it was a stagnant. Text she said thing. she was scrolling, scrolling on the phone during treatment so the client's so like a one-handed massage one-handed massage <laughs> and then scrolling with the other hand wow and she said tamara i had to keep it all inside me and sit through the entire treatment because i wanted to give you honest feedback about the whole treatment but she said it was every fiber in my being to not rip that eye pillow off and go what are you doing wow and, and that's the thing if you don't mystery shop you have no idea do you think you can correct staff who have that sort of behaviour or do you think it's time to go? Yes. So <laughs> I, I don't like micromanaging. Yeah. But from that day on, there's a mobile phone box at the front desk. Yeah. And you come in and you put your phone in there. And I said, if anyone needs, you call the spa. If anyone needs, they can have my personal mobile. And many did. I, I was working with a lot of mums and the childcare would call me and say, oh, you know, Sarah's son is, is X, Y, Z. And I'd go into the treatment room and say, okay. You come out, I'm going to continue the treatment. You've got to go pick your child up. And in a weird way, they might get a more timely message because you're always on your phone ready to take those messages. Yeah, that's Whereas true. Whereas if you're in a treatment, you might not pick up your phone. Yes. But there, are, come back to your question, there are some therapists who are not supposed to be a therapist. Mm. Yeah. Can yeah. you go into that in more detail? Yeah. I mean, the therapy role is giving. 
So you're giving, it, it's a quite a selfless role. Uh, you're treating others, you're giving your energy to others. And if you're not present and if you're too much, and I speak a lot about ego, but if you're too much in ego and, and you're not in self, then you're not giving. Yeah. You know, you can't be present. You're thinking about boyfriend, thinking about lunchtime, thinking about Saturday night, going to run down to, you know, the shopping center and buy my new dress for Saturday night. And and that's not a giving role. And you don't always have to be a giver. You can close off that energy and you can separate yourself from the treatment that you've just performed. Yeah. But, that, you know, and it comes to a point where the business owner has to sit down with a therapist who's not meant to be a therapist and say, God, I love you, but... Hmm. Do you think that you're supposed to be a therapist? Because <laughs> I can see your passion's gone. I can see I've tried to motivate you. I've tried to give you tickets to movies and bottles of champagne when you're hitting your targets and we're just not there. And it's no one's fault because, you know, at, at year 12, 18, how do we know what we want to do? Yeah. You know, but it's up to the business owner to sit down and recognize that and go, okay. And generally the therapist goes, no, 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 I love this. But then two weeks later, they'll go, actually, do you know what? You're right. Yeah. David, what's your strike rate of having to have that awkward conversation? Um, I tend to have a policy of I'm quite considered when I'll, when I'll hire someone, but if they're not the right person, mm -hmm. um, I'll try and get them to exit the business as quickly as possible. Yes. Um, because if you bring in the wrong person that upsets the culture of the clinic, they start influencing people in the wrong way in terms of other team members, mm. um, it can go bad really quickly. Mm. Um, where, I mean, in the businesses that I'm in, in, involved in, it's a little bit unusual because we might have 100 people yes. coming through the clinic every day. So we're sort of not that soft, fluffy end of, of the industry. We're more mm. fast-paced. Mm. So it's trying to find that balance where you're still – providing clients with that experience and that customer service that they feel is in line or is better than what they would expect they should be would, would be receiving but also ensuring that the business is still commercially viable yes and also finding because you don't really learn laser treatments um, and that's sort of more of the guess on the medical side of things in the typical mm. beauty therapy degree so sometimes you'll come across these people who you have to sit down and say you know what you're probably better off in a clinic where you're doing massages and facials and maybe seeing three mm. or four people a day, not yes. seeing 20 or 30 people a day. <laughs> and it's, it's quite difficult because it's an, an unusual business model. And it's I guess we'll get into paced. that at some point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it's, it's hiring on will always, skill later. Yeah. You know, we are literally putting monkeys in spaceships and sending them to space. <laughs> so I'm not saying that of therapists, but you can train somebody to do anything we know that. Yeah. You can't train passion, determination, motivation. That is so difficult to hold and retain. But even in your fast-paced clinics, there's still room for customer service. Yeah. Always, always. Well, you that's know, something you, that we're focusing on quite heavily at the yeah. moment is because there's been like almost like a race to the bottom. Who can have the cheapest prices? Who can Correct. get the most clients through? And there comes a point where you just can't do that anymore. Mm -mm. You know, the cost of business... It goes up every year, you know, wages go up, rent goes up, yes. everything. Um, and if you're continually dropping your prices, they will get a point where you just go like, we can't do that. You can't compete on that anymore. Yes. Um, and I sort of draw parallels to say like the airline industry where Virgin came in, they revolutionized the airline industry. All of a sudden you can fly to different parts of Australia and the world for prices that no one thought was possible. Mm. And then you get other players coming on like Tiger and Jetstar and all these sort of budget airlines. And you think to yourself, yeah, I could probably pay a little bit less. 
and go on one of those. But my plane might not take off on time. They might leave without me. Exactly. Um, they might cancel it for no reason just because they feel like it. Whereas you know you'll pay a little bit more on a virgin flight, but it's still value for money. And I think that's mm. what it comes down to is value, mm. not so much who's got the cheapest price. It's am I getting an experience that is worth my money or exceeds my expectations. Yes. I was having a conversation uh, just the other day with Dane Montague King from DMK and he said, you are what you charge. Yeah. You know, which for me, I was like, wow, that's so big. And two, with that, you align what you charge. So if you want the client who's going to ask for discounts, mm -hmm. who is going to try and price match from a Scoupon Groupon deal, <laughs> where, you know, with your injectable treatments and you're like, not quite, but then that's, that's what you're going to get, you know, and we cannot keep discounting, discounting, discounting because the client gets in a pattern. Yes. I'll just wait until they go on sale and yeah. we can't have that. I think we've discussed this many times with mm. injectables where, mm. of course, we understand clients want value, they want, you know, as much for as little as possible in, in some circumstances, but there reaches a point where even they will go, okay, the quality is not quite there and I've probably made a bit of a mistake. Maybe mm. I should go back to that slightly more expensive place, but where I know that I'm safe and my face is looked after. So I think clients eventually realize that as well as businesses, but you shouldn't have to learn the hard way. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. We, um, When we first launched our monthly membership program, it was $19.99 a month. And I thought, you know, I just want to come into the market, really affordable. And we sold quite a few, but then it plateaued and then it declined and it really slowed. And I, I did a market research and I thought, what's every other kind of coach, consultant, mentor charging? $450, $500 plus a month. And I thought, but mine's so affordable. Yeah. Why aren't they coming? And then I actually looked into getting my website redesigned. And the website redesign was 2000 But I had budgeted in my head that it was going to be 10000 So when she came back and said 2000 I thought, hang on, it's too cheap. Yeah. What's going on here? And then I thought that of my own prices, it's too cheap. While yes. I was looking at it as affordable, yeah. no, no, it's too cheap. So I increased the prices. Overnight, five new memberships. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, you'd underpriced yourself. Correct. Yeah, people don't attach value when something's too cheap. It's it's exactly too good to be right. true and it's just, I mean, you just disregard it, right? Yeah, and there's, there's ways that you can give people value without being cheap or without discounting. So, for yeah. example, you guys were saying before, with your injectables, your LED. So, instead of dropping the price of the injectables, why don't we give a complimentary LED? Yeah. Because there's more value. Yeah, and may I add, just for as a disclaimer, if you're an injector, you're not allowed to just do a sudden sale on injectables. It's illegal. So mm. don't do that. <laughs> there you go. I didn't know that. Yeah, because, you know, we're not allowed to promote cosmetic procedures or entice, you know, you, can, you can't go on sale or you're not technically supposed to uh, use uh, finance services or things like that. So just be aware if you're listening as an injector, don't do naughty things. There you go. <laughs> Value add. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're going to have um, a lawyer on soon to talk about the the wild world of the regulation on this industry and mm. not being able to say certain words and you know and we even adhere to that on the podcast just because Jake offers those treatments yes we try and steer on the side of being a little more conservative when it comes to those things but it's it doesn't make sense to me because mm. how are you supposed to educate clients if you can't tell them what you're delivering or how they can look at a result from a certain product or That's procedure true. and you yeah. can't you're almost making more difficult for people to be informed. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm. Well, if you're just calling everything anti-wrinkle, 
you know, you can't tell a superior product from one versus the other. Yeah, it's very difficult, and and the client can't know what's the results. You know, the expected outcome. Yeah, how they're supposed to know. So how does it work if people want to, I guess, look at engaging your services or, I mean, we've, we've covered that you can help anyone from even outside the industry to conveyances, but I guess your niche is within this industry coming mm. from that background. So mm. does it just people send you an email? Do they organize a consultation? Yeah. How does it work? Or do you have like different packages in terms of how involved you get? Or? Yes. So uh, basically everything's on the website. There is a page there called book. You can book me for a 15 minute complimentary consultation call and we just have a chat like this. I try and find out what you need. You know, if you want to be a millionaire overnight, I'm not the right person for you. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, I'm going to call you. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, we just find out what you need in your business. How's your culture going? How's the community in your space? And uh, so we can do one on one mentoring. I can come into your space. I'm in Sydney every eight weeks, Melbourne every four weeks. I do live in Queensland, so I'm there all the time. Um, but otherwise, there is the membership platform. So there's three different levels. There's a basic level uh, where you just come onto the platform. You can go through the four developments over the year by yourself, um, traveling along in your own pathway. Otherwise, there's uh, the middle platform where you get invited to the events as well and little bits and pieces like the downloadable resources. Otherwise, is the higher end platform and that's if you uh, want to do the entire monthly membership for 12 months but you also want mentoring and so through an app you have me for 24 7 and we can actually send each other voicemails back and forth so that if you you know if your staff leaves today and you go oh my goodness but I can't book tomorrow because she's not in Melbourne for another four weeks then you can quickly just send me a voicemail on there. So can you remind us your website, your social media sort of handle so people can connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the the business is called Beauté Industry. So it's a little French twist on the word beauty industry. Uh, so just I'll spell it for you. It's B-E-A-U-T-E and then industry is I-E. I-N-D-U-S-T-R-I-E um, and it's at Butte Industry across all the platforms being such a unique name. We could have that handle everywhere, yeah. which is great. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, um, if anyone wants to get in touch, you know how to do it now. Um, thank you so much for giving us your time. We know you've ha- had a lot on down here and we've had a little bit of little mishaps with the miscommunication with times and dates between the two of us. So I'm glad we finally we finally got there in Third the end. time lucky. <laughs> and I had a safe when you're going home today or you still got a little bit of time left in Sydney? Saturday actually. Oh, so you still traveling got a few days. around. Yes, yes, Fantastic. in businesses doing Enjoy the rain yeah, of Sydney. <laughs> I know it is raining. It's a bit yes. crappy this weekend, isn't it? Cold and windy, the last of winter. It's not quite the 28 degree Brisbane that I left. Yeah, (laughs) no. Well, we'll have a safe flight back home. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.